Broadcasting from somewhere beneath the New York Public Library, it's Brian and Eric. Don't belong here. Hello to everyone listening. Welcome to our Spooky Ghost Podcast. I'm Eric. Here as always with my devilishly clever colleague, Brian. That's me. Hello. How you doing? Hello. Doing great. You sound great. Hi, thanks, man. I, uh, I'm always, this is the highlight of my week. I always have such a good time. Same, same. I have to say, I feel like, yeah, I feel like that your your voice uh, gets more honeyed every time. I don't know if it's the audio quality. It's just great. Maybe that's the ghosts. It could be the kids. Oh, that's all the ghosts in my larynx actually doing that. <laughs> my larynx is possessed by a 1920s radio star. And that's a great way to get haunted. I mean, of all the hauntings, that's a great place to get haunted. I think so. Yeah, right in the, yeah, right in the voice box. Hey, at least let me get something out of it, you know? Let me, let me get something. I'm realizing now as we go into this, do we have a – for our new and exciting segment, News from the Weird. News of the Weird? News news from the Weird. News from the Weird. We don't have any – do we have anything for that? We, we don't have any Demon Rock updates, do we? I know. I have no Demon Rock updates. Um, it is about – uh, 10, 20 minutes from when we recorded last week's show. Uh, so no, 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 no updates. No updates have arrived. I'm checking Twitter. Nope, it's nothing. Cool, that's fine. <laughs> news from news from the weird, not weird at all. I didn't prepare. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's news from the weird. I don't think has to. I mean, like, let, me, let me know if you flex segment sort of deal yeah i don't think it has to come up every time it can just it, if something it, interesting if comes there up, is right? news from the weird then we i get it exactly exactly i, I did read i that. did read i don't have the article prepared because I, I didn't think it was weird enough to fully talk about sure um but somewhere off the italian coast mm-hmm. italy has a coast right yeah they do they sure do <laughs> great great uh they found like underwater um, some like very large monolith, like man-made monolith. Oh, I love that. Which is fucking wild. I love that. I love a, I love some good pseudo archaeology. Yeah, That's right. My favorite. Nothing. Yeah. Nobody knows what it is. Assume it was man-made. And it's off the Italian coast. Every. I feel like there's a lot of stuff going off going on off the Italian coast. That seems like a thing for them. That's, that's you know, man, go to Italy, go to the coast. Go to the coast. That's where all the action is. is. Go to the coast. <laughs> yeah, I every once every five years they they I see a headline about shoot. I never remember how to pronounce it. It's like the Antikythera mechanism or something. It's like the the ancient computer that the Greeks had or something, but it's like, it's I've like maybe vaguely heard of this with a bunch of gears. And I never click on the article to see what it actually <laughs> is or how it works. I'm like, Oh, that's weird. The ancient Greeks had a computer. Pretty cool. I have this MacBook pro. Suck it. <laughs> could you play doom on it? Yeah. Yeah. What could you do on it? How many tabs does that thing run? Oh, zero way. <laughs> you know, what's cool is that in the sixties, uh, we sent, people to the moon on computers that were as powerful as like a fucking ti-82 maybe and uh my computer gets scared at a couple of chrome tabs it's true every time every time (laughs) chrome is really it's not great it's not great i love it but it's also bad unless google wants to sponsor us in which case it's the best browser i've ever seen i have a million tabs open running like a running like a stallion (laughs) in heat it keeps me warm in the winter. That's right. Yeah, just hover my hand, fry an egg on my mainframe. <laughs> I'll never have children. No, that's fine. Oh, no. <laughs> Nor should I. 
they would be haunted. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Um, should we get into today's topic? I would love to get into today's topic. What are we talking about this week? So we're talking. This is actually a very uh, special topic. It was suggested to us by one of our favorite guests of all time, Tess Feifel from Astonishing Legends. The best. She mentioned to it uh, to us off air after our Haunting in Connecticut episode, which is a great episode. Just check it out if you haven't already. Just just for Tess, she really elevates our show to levels that we don't. Don't come. Don't yet. come for us. Come for Tess. Yeah. <laughs> we're punching way above our weight class there. <laughs> but uh, but yeah. So she's she she. There's a if if you guys are fans of the Astonishing Legends podcast, you may or may not be aware of their blog, which contains just tons of articles on topics that they have not yet made episodes about, or just things they're interested in that aren't necessarily in, in the, in their bandwidth um, to do full episodes on. And there's fascinating stuff, but one of Tessa's favorite subjects that she mentioned is this topic we're going to cover tonight, the Philip experiment. Um, Can I just say real fast, I'm so excited to like really plant our flag in the ground as the show that will absolutely take astonishing legends, table scraps (laughs) with, with glee and pleasure with just, (laughs) Should we be so lucky? Yeah, exactly. Oh, you don't want to, you're too busy to do that story. We we'll got do a way worse version of it than you ever would. <laughs> We're just the billy goats of the podcast world, chopping away at the tin can, the discarded tin cans of us. Let us add it, baby. <laughs> Bye. Is that, a, is that a billy goat noise? <laughs> I thought you just said Bob. <laughs> Bob, baby. Bob, baby, I'm a goat. I said Bob now, baby. I'm goat man. That's how much I know about Billy Goats. What was the... I, will, I do think you would make a good satyr. Uh, you know, I think I would too. You know? You're, I think yeah. I have a playful energy. You have a playful energy? You like to party? Eric, I have the dumbest question. Hit me. Do you remember Three Billy Goats Gruff? Yeah. What's that story? Like, what are, what are the details of that story? I remember the title. I know it involves Billy Goats. Is there a troll in that? It's a very adult tale. I actually don't, I don't remember any of the contents of it. I, and I haven't even thought of that name until you mentioned it right now, but I'm pretty sure it is a thing. I am, oh God, I'm, I'm just going to Google right now if that's I'm gonna okay. Google it. I'm going to Google it live. Oh, here's the storybook there I think I had. There is a bridge here. I think there's a troll. I love this. I love this summary I'm seeing. Once upon a time, there were three billy goats, thoroughly, three billy goats who were to go up to the hillside to make themselves fat. And the name yeah. of all three was Gruff. See, that's a good, that's a mission I can get behind. Um, the, uh, okay. In the story, there's almost no grass left for them to eat where they live, so they must cross a river to get to the Seder. A meadow or hillside. Oh, Seder, that's nice. What do you think? Uh, the other side of the stream to eat and fatten themselves up. But first, they must cross a wooden bridge under which lives a fearsome and hideous troll who is so territorial he eats anyone who tries to cross the bridge. I got it. There was a fucking troll. I'm so glad we got that. Interesting. Yeah, I think it's, it looks like it's a Norwegian story. That makes sense. Interesting. I feel like for that it, tangent. It felt no, no, that's very a great tangent. I think if, if I was a delicious animal, I would stay as skinny as possible. I'd be on a constant diet, just yeah. all skin and bones, not delicious looking at all. And, you know, God forbid uh, we ever get knocked off the food chain because I don't know how to stop myself. <laughs> I oh, love yeah. pizza, Eric. I love pizza, oh, yeah. man. I'm, I'm the, I, if I was any animal in the ecosystem, I would be like a tapir, those strange little pig things with the long nose and no tusks. I don't know how they <laughs> exist. 
in the wild. They seem to have no defenses at all. They're just very good at smelling the <laughs> incoming predator that's there to murder them. Just chilling. They're not fast. They just incredible. Good. You know what? Good on them. Good, good for on them. them. Good on them. <laughs> they're just, yeah. They're hanging in there. They're just vibing. <laughs> they are. They truly are vibing. Um, we need some more. We need some more folk tales about the, the humble tapir. Maybe the mascot of the pot. I don't know. Oh yeah, someone make us a someone someone make us a logo involving the tapir. Just sniffing out ghosts. The stuff. paranormal. Yeah. Do, do, do you think their snout could serve as a Ghostbuster type? Yeah, dude, they could suck up ghosts in that. Yeah, they suck them. Maybe right that's up. what they do. That's the defense. Yeah, that's why they're kind of around. They are goofy looking motherfuckers, dude. It's a strange animal. <laughs> dude. Look at these fucking guys. Yeah, that whole elephant-ish side of things is very, it's very interesting. It's, uh, I'm, I'm screen sharing right now to you just pictures of these fucking goofwads. Yeah. Look at these fucking goofwads, dude. Yeah, they're they're ridiculous. We're just talking about the peers. It's just, I guess, I guess we could move on. It's the, it's the elephant B team. It's just the thing that didn't quite become a full elephant. Yeah, you think somewhere on the evolution chain, it was just like these maybe elements. I like the one in the water. That's fun. <laughs> There's one in the water just poking his head out. He's got some like green yeah, just hanging out of his mouth. Algae in his mouth. But that's what I'm saying. How are they alive? They seem they don't have any defenses. Like I can't imagine they're very fast. I here's here's my question. Do you want to eat one of these motherfuckers? Oh, I'd eat that in a heartbeat. <laughs> I, bet well, that I guess delicious. I can't, I guess so I can't speak for that then. <laughs> oh man, more to more, more to peer talk. Yeah, to come. Yeah, catch us on Thursdays for to peer talk. <laughs> um, okay, should we get? Do you want? Should we do? Should we do the Philip experiment? Let's do the Philip experiment for real. I'm so sorry for not one but two tangents. That's the name of the game. We're playing tangent tennis out here. <laughs> Tapir uh, tangent tennis. Tangent tennis. You got to return the serve. Uh, yeah. So this was this topic came highly recommended to us uh, by Tess Feifel. Wonderful guest. Wonderful. Wonderful human. Uh, wise lady. And um, she. So 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 this was a topic that that's on their that's on their blog. Uh, followed some of the sources and wanted to get into it. So Brian, what do you what do you do you know anything about this at all? Um, not much, just what Tess told us. Right. Right. Yeah. So, so that's, so that's a, that's a good entry point. And per, per our conversation, um, around the, uh, our, our most recent Amityville house adventure, which is also a great episode. If you're not coming straight from that one, you should definitely listen to it. We just get into sort of the, the power, the potential power of belief. Yeah. Um, and how far that can really go and what that means and where the line between what we think is happening and what is actually happening. What if I were to tell you, Brian, that there was a group of people that intentionally and scientifically tried to push this just as far as it could go. I mean, if you told me that my next question would be how far did it go, Eric? It went all the way to Canadian television. No. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. The dream. The dream. 
Yeah, where every zero. scientific experiment longs to go. <laughs> yeah, Canadian TV, they're chugging syrup and just out of control. <laughs> they're riding a moose straight to just mid-tier daytime fame. You said I wasn't going to make it, eh? Yeah. <laughs> Look at me now. <laughs> I'm sorry, was that too forceful? <laughs> <laughs> We're going to CTV, baby. Let me, Brian, before we dive in, let me ask you this. Um, how do we want to handle sources? Should we just post that in the sort of show notes in the. Yeah, episode? I think, I think, I think the best course of action is like, let's tell the story. And then, yeah, on the blog at Brian and Eric show, we'll Got throw it. down all the sources. Cause there's some quotes in here. It goes without saying, this is not all original writing or reporting from my side. There's some, there's some really awesome articles and books and stuff that, um, that are laying the groundwork here. So just want to give credit where it's due, but yeah, let's get into it. So in 1972, a Dr. George Owen, who is a mathematician and I believe a geneticist, very bright guy, um, led a group of eight from the Toronto Society for Psychical Research, aka TSPR, on a very peculiar experiment. I have a uh, first question already. How do we feel about psychical as, the, as a technical term? I think it's great. I'd get confused with the unicycle, I feel like. If I, was, I feel like I would walk into <laughs> that so room and like, whoa, I came here to learn how to balance, my boy. <laughs> that said, while I'm here, watch this. Da, 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 da. <laughs> you can't do this, nerds. <laughs> <laughs> Unicycles are down the hall. You gotta yeah, go. every, once a week, they get a unicycler. I like psychical, I think. You like psychical? I th- yeah, do you hate it? I think I would just lean towards psychic research. I feel like that sounds more legitimate. It is true. The extra, the extra ical is completely, you don't need it. It, it Psychical sounds like, uh, we're, the, we're the institute for the, the, psych, the psychical. The psychical. Oh, you're, just the for, you're just the institute for psychic research? We're the institute for psychical research, losers. Losers. Come yeah. on. Yeah, 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 yeah. Fair point. Fair point. Um. So, yeah, I didn't even think about that. Uh, so here was... That's why I'm here, bud. Yeah, I know. It's just a, yeah, it's a real two-man operation. Here, really. <laughs> <laughs> you zig, I zag. I love it. Uh, so, so here was the experiment they set out to run. So Dr. George Owen wanted to organize this group to create and manifest a fictional persona in reality. So they basically wanted to see if they could bring forth an entity, essentially, that they created from whole cloth. And we're going to get into how they did it because they did it in a very systematic way over a long period of time with some shocking results. But let's just establish up top. That was the goal. Right. Can they create, can they summon forth an entity that they invented, that they that they essentially imagined? So the group, right. I'll just run through the original members because they're all sort of interesting. They're not, you know, these are not, what I love about these stories is a lot of these people involved, it's, it's easy to dismiss people like this. Many of them are pretty smart, well-educated, impressive people. So we got, we got George, Dr. George Owen. And Dr. Joel Witten, uh, who is a psychiatrist, they were there as observers. So they were there to watch this all unfold. And they sort of okay. behind it. They've, we've got Al. 
He's a self-employed heating engineer whose hobbies were scouting and photography. Now, I don't know if this is a Canadian thing. Scouting comes up as a hobby of a lot of these people. I don't know if that's like boy scouts, if that's hiking, if that's yeah. like scouting the enemy. I don't know what that means, but. Interesting. It, yeah. What uh, boy scouting kind of comes to mind. It's. I feel like Canada would have an adult uh, scout program. And you, you know what? Good on Canada. Which is a very wholesome, nice, you're out helping the community. That seems and a doing bird calls thing. and stuff. Yeah, why do we stop? Why do we stop? Why do we stop? We? Keep scouting. I barely did it when I was a kid. <laughs> I was a Boy Scout as a kid. So and like, God, like, you had to like do the things to get like the little badges or whatever. Yes. And I was, I mean, it was, no. No, yeah. no, no thanks. Can I play uh, with a knife? Can I play yeah. with a knife? <laughs> Can I light the fire? Can I light the thing okay. on fire? Great. We did the two things. Peace. <laughs> yeah, I'm out. It is the funny thing about Boy Scouts is that if you do make it all the way to Eagle Scout, it's actually an incredibly well respected credential. Like you can yeah. get into great colleges because you're an Eagle Scout, which is like, nah, not for me. No, <laughs> not for this guy. Yeah, okay, but you so, have to be an Eagle Scout, isn't no, that? Yeah, it's a cool, and it's a cool name too. It is cool, um, but like, is it? Is no, it? No, it's not. Uh, so, okay. So then we've got Lorne. He was an industrial engineer, uh, described as a creative and artistic person who studied Eastern philosophy and ancient history. And then we've got Andy. This is Lorne's wife. She shared his interest in this, in astronomy, also an artist. Uh, she ends up drawing a picture of, she draws the original picture of this entity, this persona that they're going to try to summon, who's, who is called, who they named Philip, hence the name of Philip experiment. That makes um, sense. There's Bernice. She was an accountant. She loved philosophy. We've got Darth, Dorothy. She's a housewife trained in bookkeeping and accounting as well. Her main, her hobby was also scouting. Go figure. Um, Sydney, she's the youngest member of the group. She's a sociology student taking a little time off. We've got Sue, chairman of the Canadian chapter of Mensa. She's a genius uh, and a former, a former nurse with many interests. She created the story, the original story of this character, Philip. She creates it. Okay. Um, and then we've got Iris, the wife of, of uh, Dr. Owen. So there's a um, lot of people involved in this. Yeah, there's eight, there's eight people. This is the last one. She's the director of New Horizons Research Foundation, um, and she co-founded TSPR, the psychical research group. Her, her career as a job, she was she was a nurse and, and involved in social work. She ends up writing a book in 1976 called Conjuring Up Philip. Um, and, and that book is the source of most of the of the accounts and information, though there is also a video. Um, that, we have that video, I think. We do have that video. Yeah, yeah. Um, so some things that are striking to me right now a, is that there's a lot of people, like I mentioned. Yeah. Um, and, I have a question. I don't know if you know. Sure. How did all of these people end up in this experiment? Were they all like kind of peers in the same? So they were all members of, of the TSP. Got it. All Got members it. of the Toronto Society for Psychical Research. It's not clear to me how many members there were. If this is the whole uh, society or this is and this is just a or this is just a, a group from that society who is really interested in this project. Got it. But um it, it's they all have like pretty interesting credentials just in their lives. Um don't seem like the type at least based on that who would kind of just be in this to fuck around. Exactly. They're they're all pretty professional sort of curious open-minded people, I would mm, say. Very interesting. Yeah. So, here's let's get into the actual 
protocol that they start with. This this experiment spans over two years and has wow. some and has some dramatic shifts in it. Um, wow. Yeah. So in year one, their goal is just to create and manifest a fictional persona. They come up with a name for this person, this entity, which is Philip Aylesford. They even travel to, and we'll get into his backstory in a second, but they end up even traveling to the place in England where they say he lived and was born and take photos of it and get out. Wow. They're basically, it's almost like they're, they're, they're kind of constructing like a vision board. They want to get as much material from the real world that he might, if he was a real being would have touched or seen or whatever. So they get pictures of the place that, that he would have lived according to his biography. So, so here's the backstory created by that, created by that woman, Sue. So Philip was an aristocratic and we're going to read this. Philip was an aristocratic Englishman living in the time of Oliver Cromwell, the mid the mid 1600s. He was Catholic and had supported the King and was married to a beautiful, but frigid and cruel wife, Dorothea. While out riding, he caught sight of a beautiful raven haired gypsy girl, Margot, and instantly fell in love. He brought her back to live in his gatehouse, and he kept it, their affair secret. But Dorothea found out and accused Mar Margot of witchcraft and husband stealing. Afraid to lose his reputation and possessions, Philip did not protest at Margot's trial and was burned at the stake. Stricken with remorse, Philip took to pacing the battlements in despair and finally committed suicide by throwing himself off the high wall Phil. in 1654. Philip. Yeah. Um, Interesting. Very, very interesting. Um, <clears throat> the question that I have in my head right now is, was this this experiment, uh, this Philip experiment, if you will, um, were was this group going about this? Did they set out with any like idea of a procedure or were they kind of just vibing and feeling this out of like, it, let's yeah. let's go to England. Let's create this. So it's a really interesting question and it kind of builds on itself. My understanding is that Dr. Dr. Owen has this idea, right? That we can basically, we can create this fictional persona. So Philip Aylesford, and we, well, we can actually get into this later, but as far as we know, there's no human named Philip Aylesford that ever existed. They intentionally and consciously made up a backstory like you would if, you know, if you're playing a role-playing game or whatever, and you're mm -hmm. making up a character from, from scratch, they did it. They based it in this world. And as they went, and we'll get into this, this is part of the protocol, they're basically constantly trying to develop the character and add more details to this person and agree on what was he like? What was his personality? All of the visual details. What did he dress like? And they sort of add this communally in an improvisational way in time, but it's very much intentional. They are sure. trying to sort of draw it out first as an imaginary figure okay. um, yeah if that makes sense but they but this is this is an, this is definitely an intentional experiment like okay we have to create this this character got it um so so sue comes up with the backstory they end up traveling to england uh to take photos of of where where he would have lived according to the backstory and so they're the experiment itself in year one has a couple of pieces of the protocol so First off, everybody in the group 
just memorized and was able to recite the backstory. Okay. So I don't think they did this super regularly, but everybody in the group could just tell you off the cuff. Yeah, this is the backstory. Here's who Philip Ellsford was. Definitely wasn't just, oh, whoever wrote it. I, I yeah, don't that, know it, the guy yeah. we're talking about. No, they all sort of knew it and committed it to memory in the same way. You know, if we were talking about a common friend, um, like Jesse, who we used to work with, what's his deal? We could all say sort of the same stuff because he's a real, he's a real person. Handsomest boy you've ever seen. He's just, yeah, gleams like the summer day. <laughs> uh, okay. So the second, here's the second thing they, they engaged in. Did we conjure uh, Jesse up? Imagine. <laughs> I, it, it makes sense. He's too, too perfect of a man. Two, no, that man could not exist. No, that couldn't just organically come. That would be the perfect sixth sense kind of moment where we realized we just hallucinated <laughs> the, the greatest box we've ever had. Oh, truly. Love you, Jesse. Love you, Jesse. Um, so, okay. So, so the second, the second piece of the protocol was visualization. So all of the group members tried to visualize Philip. And again, this comes back to creating, and this is kind of what we were talking about with the Amityville Horror episode. They they intentionally tried to create a shared consensus. Hmm. So they they came to agreements basically on what he looked like. And it's around it's around this time that Andy, one of the members of the group, actually produces a drawing of Philip. And I tried to find it. I couldn't find it anywhere. I'm sure it's floating around somewhere. Maybe it's in the pages of of this book we mentioned before. Um, I couldn't find this drawing, but they, but they, but they, they come to a, a consensus about all the details of his appearance. Either well. that or the drawing wasn't very good, and they were like, yeah, "Do exactly. you want to put this in the?" No. Of course, but oh, we <laughs> lost it. You don't want to do it again, right? <laughs> this is just a stick figure with boobs. This doesn't no. look anything. No one, no one's hobby. I saw a lot of scouting. I didn't hear anyone say artist. <laughs> no, zero, zero. And there was a couple of artistic, but we all know. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Oh, you're bad at math. Me too. Cool. Uh, <laughs> yeah, there, I know. That's, that's probably exactly what it is. Probably a little embarrassing. Um, well, see, here's the thing. We want we want people to take the experiment seriously. And yeah, exactly. no, no, this is adorable. But... They don't get it. They're not at our level. They're not going to understand. It's in the context, you know? They don't understand. <laughs> oh, but he knew. He knew. Yeah, he knew. They all, they knew. They knew. <laughs> um, what is funny about this is as I'm reading about this, this did make me feel very much. Um, it gave me the sense of, Oh, this is D and D. Like this is what sure. happens when you play a tabletop role playing game, or That's what you're wrong. trying to do. Yeah, um, and it taps into the the fear of the whole satanic panic and the whole like D and D panic. Oh, panic. I love that. I love. You know? I didn't even think of that level. Yeah, yeah. That that this is exactly what would happen. Yeah. Oh, I mean, I guess that was kind of the by by playing characters who cast spells and things like you will. <laughs> Yeah, open up that part of your brain exactly and i feel like in some of the in some of the propaganda around it it was like i don't remember where i saw this if this was one of those anti D, &D movies or whatever but it's like one of the characters gets a curse cast on it and the girl 
who's playing that character is becomes cursed or thinks she is and gets sick and dies or whatever. That is, um, that is, uh, dark dungeons. It was a chick tract, uh, which was a series of like Christian comics that oh, were just like handed right. out to kids. That to me. Do you have some of those? I do not anymore, but I did. I show me. <laughs> and I, I, I just there. had like a reprint of them. I didn't have the literal, like actual ones that they were putting out. Um, but, uh, they're pretty wild. Check out trick tracks, chick tracks. That's right. Yeah, I think that's where I'm pulling that from. Anyway, so so that that's what this kind of reminded me of. But so so it gets more it gets more serious. So so the third part of their um, their protocol. So we've got memorization, visualization, uh, and the third part, which is the most important in year one, is the group committed to weekly meeting sessions for one year. Wow. So they would all get together, and what they unlike would do, a D and D campaign, just follow through literally. with that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, good luck. <laughs> Nobody's showing up after week three. Yeah. <laughs> the cleric dies. This game's falling apart at the seams. How do we get it on this that. game? Yeah, exactly. Went for a year. Exactly. Yeah, this is the dream. Every DM is like, what? <laughs> um, and they didn't even they didn't even play D anD D. They just so they sat in a circle around a table with the drawing of Philip at the center. Sometimes they would use a piece of aluminized cardboard on the floor and sort of hope to have Philip materialize on it. But they would, but the, they would all circle around an image basically of Philip that they had created. Yeah. What do you mean by materialize? Like literally come into being? Yeah. I mean, their goal here was to manifest. Wow. Okay. Based okay. on. So, so the, the theory, so this goes a little bit, the, the sort of underlying hypothesis or theory behind this, and we'll get into this, it touches on a thought at the time that is sort of in theosophy and these other occult disciplines um, and certain branches of, of psychic, psychic research is the idea of a thought form that people can concentrate their energies and and manifest a thing. And so this was this was an intentional experiment to see if they could do that. So yeah, this literally when you ask like what did they think he was going to materialize in front of them? The answer is yes. That is wow. what they were seeing if they could make happen. Wow. Yeah. Um so they would gather around they would they would center their attention on a drawing of him um or or sometimes they would be on this be on this uh this piece of cardboard on the floor. So they would start with a period of quiet meditation and then they would share their experience during meditation. Things like, you know, any sensations they got, any feelings that Philip was near anything like that. Um, and then they would meditate again. The length of the meditation gradually increased over time as they got used to it. Um, and then after the meditation, there would just be group discussions about Philip. And they would basically continue to develop him as a character, but also talk about him as if he was someone that they knew. Like, oh, remember when Philip did this? That's crazy. Remember when we learned about this part of Philip's life? And they would just talk about Philip. Wow. Yeah. So they, so think about it. I mean, this in and of itself is kind of wild. Just this group of otherwise totally professional, smart people agrees, yeah, let's meet every week for a year. Yeah. And and imagine, try to imagine this person who, by the way, in our story is long dead. Right. Let's imagine them into existence in front of us now. It's Eric. Let's imagine. Let's manifest ourselves right now in our imaginations. Oh, baby. Someone telling us this is what they did every week. And even like it, 
I guess we'd also assume we don't have a podcast about this because of yeah. course we'd be like, can we go? Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, yes. Yeah. If we were uh, just normies, if we were just right. out in the world. Right. If we were normal functioning people. If your like, Uber driver told you this, you're just in a long Uber ride in a weird, lonely road. Your Uber driver tells you, like, yeah, I meet up, I meet up with a bunch of people, and we try to manifest a dead guy. Yeah. And who we meet up, by the way. And then we talk about who he was and how we know him. Everyone. I would literally yeah, just already be I texted my wife that I love her. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I don't I'm think I'm getting out of this car. I tried to be a better man. Uh, <laughs> Should have got you that milk from the bodega. It was cold. <laughs> you were fine. You seemed fine. We had water and Diet Coke in the fridge. You were fine. You didn't want milk that bad, but you I wish want, I did. Nobody needs milk at 11. It was an honest mistake, but I shouldn't have made it. Yeah, it's not good for you. <laughs> um, yeah, I, that's what I'm saying. This is this is kind of wild in and of itself. Like you mm. said, you can't even get people to show up for a D&D game, you know, four weeks in a row. A this, was the, this was the 70s? Yeah, so it sure was. <laughs> Nobody had a Game Boy. Or it had to be. Yes, exactly. Yeah, this was before. Net. This is true. This is the type of thing people did before subscription media. Um, yeah, hey, you can just watch Archive good. 81. It's on fucking Netflix. That's right. That's yeah. Love it. Uh, yeah. So this is so this is year this is year one, 1972. Um. So eventually, nothing overt happens in year one, except that the group. There is this consensus among the group, this growing feeling that I know we made up Philip. I know we consciously made him up, but we all kind of feel like he was really alive. They all sort of start to feel as if he existed. Which, if you, a, if you commit to it enough, I could see how that could start to happen. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I feel like you, you're, you know, you are uh, actually a creative person and, and you've written stuff, and and I feel like you've had this experience where. If you're writing a character, if you're writing a story, there is that weird moment where it feels like the characters, is a cliche to say, but truly do take on a life of their own. They start sort of talking for themselves in the context of the story. You sort of know what a character would say. Think about it even in a broader cultural sense. Um, Someone who like a character that like pop culture has kind of claimed like Batman. And like we all have this understanding of who Batman is. And of like if a movie does something wrong, everyone's like that. That's not bad. Batman wouldn't do that. That Brian, that is that's a beautiful way to put it. That's exactly right. We've we are running a giant Philip experiment kind on of the mass media level with, yeah, with, but yeah, you, everybody knows what we know his backstory. We know about his parents. We know, you know what I mean? Bruce Wayne. We know, we know so many collective details about Batman. Right. Um, it's like a, Batman yeah. has never appeared on a piece of an aluminum foil for me. This is true. Well, we don't, we don't meet weekly to talk about That's it. So, God damn it. You know what I mean? <laughs> so, so, like I said, so so year one, they're doing this a year. They're they're having these weekly meetings where they're going through this process, um, and it's it is very systematic. Uh, but nothing is exactly quote unquote happening again. Besides this this sense that yeah, we really have fleshed out this person to the point where it feels like not something that we made up. It feels like a, it was he was a real person who we know in some strange way. Um, in year two, Dr. Owen reads some papers by, by a couple of psychic researchers, this guy, D.W. Hunt, 
this guy KJ Bacheldor, this other this other gentleman Brooks Smith, and they basically describe techniques that were used during 19th century seances. And the the techniques were basically participants sat around in a relaxed and jolly atmosphere, singing songs and hymns, making jokes and carrying on a conversation. And it sort of goes on to describe um, how they ran seances during this time. Uh, And this really inspires uh, Dr. Owen. And at this point, he thinks we've created this persona who is long dead. Yeah. If we want to communicate with him directly and manifest him, well, let's have a seance for Jesus him. Christ. So he shifts the weekly meetings to become seances. Oh boy, howdy. Philip. Now, now the Uber driver is telling you he does weekly seances for the guy. Yeah, yeah. Oh, no, <laughs> oh, the conversations now that didn't really work. Now we're in seances year two. Duh, we've, we've the conversation. Oh no, he didn't. He didn't manifest on the aluminum foil because he's dead. That's right. <laughs> yeah, we did. got to put two and two together. We made a fake ghost. Exactly. Here's here is an interesting question though to think about as as we talk about this further. Maybe the seances would not have worked if they hadn't taken the time to establish this person who had died. Meaning if you just jump into seances, but there's no entity you've created first who would have died to be a spirit to come into the seance, maybe it doesn't work. Maybe it doesn't work. I this, know. I'm kind of I with realize it. those words coming out of my mouth sound insane, but we'll get into what happens and it might start to make a little more sense. It's well, I mean, no, I'm I'm kind of with you in like yeah. if we drove past the Amityville Horror House and none the three of us in the car did not know the story, even if it's true or not. This whether the story whether the Amityville Horror happened for real is is indifferent is irrelevant. Exactly. We probably just would have driven past a very nice house and not even noticed it. We probably wouldn't yeah, have even said that's a nice house. Right on the water. Yeah, really yeah. nice. It's true. I mean, we talk about that in 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 the context of New York, how it's like, think of all the people who have died all over this city in probably crazy ways. And you walk past stuff all the time and you don't blink twice. You don't start, yeah. you know, you go home maybe and your door, your your closet door opens and you don't think twice about it necessarily. Right. right. Yeah. yeah so I get it. I get it. It's interesting. So here's the thing. So it's year two. First seance, nothing really happens. Second seance, people may be starting to feel something, but nothing overt happens. After about the fourth seance, the whole group starts to notice the table that they're at. So so they're now at the table. It starts vibrating a little bit. Okay. The table that they're at starts vibrating. Okay. And the vibrations start to repeat to the point where it becomes audible. What the fuck? So the table is literally, you know, like kind of bumping against the ground. Yeah. At this point. What? <laughs> yeah. And so they're conduct they're conducting a seance. They're calling Philip. They're saying, Philip, if you're here, come talk to us. Things like that. They've got a candle lit, etc. Um, and by the fourth time. Yeah, the table starts to vibrate to the point where it's making sounds against the ground. After this, 
things start to slowly escalate. And this is a pattern that Tess actually talks about when, when, when she comes on, this increasing escalation of power of these sort of things where it starts out maybe audible or whatever, and then becomes physical, like more physical. There's more force exerted yeah. in the world. It gets to the point that the table starts to slide around the room. No, no thanks. No thanks. I'm out. Gotta go. Yeah. <laughs> there is a Brian-shaped dust cloud at that table. Yeah. See you later. I am good. Um, Thanks for the invite, Uber driver. We got to go. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Where are we? Kansas? That's fine. I'll walk. That's no big deal. That's okay. I need the exercise. Um, yeah. So so it basically, it, this thing just starts to escalate like crazy. The table starts to slide around the room. Now, here's we should note, right? This is from the account of the group. There is some vi- some documented video evidence of this stuff that I that I sent you, but this is from the account of the group. The entire group swears, no, we didn't make this up. Yes, this really happened. We had observers present to sort of prove that that this is real. But one of the observers is Dr. Owen, and he he's he sort of spearheaded That's this invested, experiment. Interested, exactly. Yeah. He's not exactly a non-biased observer. Um, but at least per the claims of the group, no, we're not doing it, we're not touching it. This thing is sliding around the room on its own got it um so a few sessions later dorothy wonders aloud if it's fit could it be philip doing this and in seeming reply they hear a large a loud knock on the table so this sets off a whole new phase of experimentation where they start trying to communicate directly with philip with a series of yes or no questions with one knock for yes and two knocks for no. And some weird stuff starts to happen here too. Like sessions will start and everybody present at the table, they'll get a knock right in front of them from under the table. So just around the table, right in front of everybody. Like, hey, oh. Philip, are you here? And then bup, 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 right in front of everybody. Like, yep, 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 I'm here. Weird. Very, very crazy. Um, so, yeah, so, th- so, they, so they enter into this yes or no system. Um, now, these raps and these knocks actually evolve further as they go on. And, and remember, so they're in these weekly meetings where they're doing this week after week mm-hmm. after week. The group claims that these, that these knocks evolve further. So they're still doing the one knock for yes, two knocks for no. But they claim that the auditory sensations that they start to pick up start to include things like singing and distant laughter. Oh, weird. So it's not just a, you know, a knock and unsentient right. knock. It's literally a human voice singing. Um, now it's worth noting that there are some informational inconsistencies that creep in here. So I'll just, I'll just read something from, from one of the articles. So, so they claim that any new material that got introduced, meaning any new details about Philip's life and things like that, that, that he would confirm in this, in this knocking system could usually be traced to an earlier comment by a group member, as was always the case when Philip, quote unquote, gave historically inaccurate answers, which could almost be always traced to incorrect knowledge on the part of the group. So one of the things they did to test this, they would ask Philip questions about that time period that could be historically verified. Um, and he would often, quote unquote, get them right. It's like, oh, did so-and-so die during this year? Did this general win this battle? Whatever. Yes for no, you know, or yes, you know, one knock for yes, two knocks for no. And, and he would be right. But apparently 
if some of the group members sort of injected false information into mm. the conversation, then those answers would later be wrong. In Interesting. I'm not sure I understand. So almost like, say a group member said something like, I don't know, George Washington was the king of England in 1650. Something just incorrect, right? Yeah. And then later they ask Philip, hey, Philip, was George Washington the king of England in 1650? He would respond, yes. Inter weird. Yeah. That's just weird in of itself. In so of it's a couple of layers, right? So first one is the layer that there is something creating, something or someone creating these knocking sounds in response to questions. Right. And then the second layer is that it kind of knows things from this time period that Philip is supposedly supposed to be from, but also appears to be listening in and kind of just mimicking what the group is saying. I have a weird thought. What do you I got? Know, I don't know if you want to get into this. I, don't, you know, I would so love I guess, to. I guess stop me if going by our unified theory of the paranormal. Uh-huh. Uh, and people are doing this seance and looking for Philip. Could something just be like, yeah, I'm Philip. Oh, a hundred percent. You know? Yeah, no, absolutely. <laughs> that's one of the, that's one of the main, and we'll get into this, but that's one of the main explanations. I wondered, I, I wondered about that. Yeah. For what's <laughs> happening. And that's one of the classic warnings against engaging in things like seances or even Ouija boards or even EVP and, and, things of that nature is that when you open up that door, open up yourself, there is no guarantee that the thing that comes, it's like, Oh yeah, I'm definitely grandma. Come along. It is Invite the, the ultimate in. catfish. Exactly. <laughs> it's so exactly. easy to do it on the, you remember back in the night, you like the 2090s, it was way easier to like fake your identity or get faked out yes. and get tricked by somebody. Yes, that, yes. Jonathan Taylor Thomas is instant messaging me. Yeah. It's me. He wants to talk to me. <laughs> exactly. Same That's with right. ghosts. That's right. That's <laughs> right. Demons. So yeah, so that's so that's the that that is that is one theory here. If we want to if we want to take this, um, you know, assume it is some kind of entity that it's not necessarily guaranteed that it it's an entity Philip that they created that it could almost be right. anything. Um, no, that's that's a hundred percent right. Um, so at, at this point, the group, there's a weird thing happening in the group. The other thing, too, to, to remember is that, um, you know, the, these this group has knowledge of psychology. They're not pure, hardcore right. occultists. They're also sort of doing this as a social experiment. Sure. And they sure. understand they're also open to the idea like, hey, maybe we're somehow creating this phenomena or sort of a mass not hallucination in the same way that when we're in the car coming back from Amityville, we're not really hallucinating anything that's happening. It's we're really feeling these feelings, but we're kind of creating a group experience. You know, I uh, that reminds me of um, a long time ago on a dorkly stream. We did a uh, we did a Ouija board show for Halloween, mm -hmm. um, and none of us moved the planchette. It was me, uh, my now yeah. wife Emily, our friend Rebecca. Uh, prim primarily on this Ouija board. None of us moved it. However, I distinctly remember, um, like, for the sake of the show, especially, like, feeling the thing move, feeling the force of the thing moving, and certainly being open to 
moving my hand along with it. Sure, Almost sure. as if we were all collectively like open to the experience of where the thing could go. Right. Does that make sense? Yeah, of course. Not intentionally pushing it anywhere, but like, sure, I'll help this in where kind of we're yeah. all collectively putting it. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Um, and, and the group, I think Which to was their credit weird in and of itself, it was also weird. It was, that was a weird experience in of itself. Yeah. Barring anything, even paranormal, it's, it's weird to feel your own psychology sort of subsumed in a larger group. Yes. Psychology. Yes. Uh, and just sort of go slip into that. Um, yes. Yeah. And so no, that were, wasn't that fuck that did happen. We were doing that in the, uh, in that studio space where we had a creepy experience. So yeah. I don't know, maybe it was a ghost. <laughs> who knows, man? Who, who, who knows? I mean, I think that's, I think that's why the Ouija is so popular. You know, I can't imagine that every time people pull out a Ouija board, right. There's a spirit on command that, that pops out of the ether and starts moving the thing around. There is definitely whatever else you believe. There is definitely a group of course fact that happens. Um, and so they're not, you know, they're not naive to that. Right. Uh, they, and, and there's sort of a, this recognition that, you know, the group remains aware that they had, they know they created Philip. They know that they invented him. They don't forget that they did that. They remember obviously consciously setting out to create him, flesh out his backstory and all that stuff. Um, but they also simultaneously begin to increasingly regard him as a member of their group. Wow. Which is interesting. Not just a, an entity they summon, but a member of their group. Because remember now, they're doing these weekly seance meetings for over two years now. And all of a sudden, he's showing up. Right? Yeah. He's there every week. You know, Bob's showing up for d and yeah. <laughs> At least Philip's here. He's incorporeal, but he's here. Come on, man. Philip doesn't even exist, and he's here. Exactly, exactly. Bob, right. we know we all got an Uber. Yeah, we know you drive the Uber. We know you're working hard, but come on. Yeah. Philip doesn't exist, and he's making the time. And he, yeah, and he did it. Um, <laughs> that's exactly right. Um, so, yeah, so they, so all the members would start They start to become a friendliness and a familiarity. And they're like, you know, they're coming into the session like, hey, what's up, Philip? And it just becomes sort of a more mm. normal thing. Um and, and as this happens, they start to elicit progressive physical manifestations, meaning that Philip or whatever this is, the power to, to change physical things and take physical actions in, real, in reality seems to, seems to increase. So lights would flicker on request, particular movements of the table could start to be elicited. And these movements become increasingly varied. So the table might tilt up on two legs or rock on one leg or rock in time to music or even do weird sort of playful but terrifying tricks like the table would slide towards a new person who entered the room or even kind of chase people around the room, but never hurting anybody, but just sure. following people. Um I'm like a little creeped out. Nick suddenly has gotten so cold in the room that I'm in. <laughs> oh man. <laughs> Crazy. Not now, Philip. Not now, Philip. Yeah. Well, he seems friendly. If it is if it's Phil, he seems like a nice guy, honestly. Great. Great. Um eventually it culminates in the table levitating entirely. And this is again, this is from the claims of the group. Not all of this. This stuff is sporadically documented. So there's audio documentation of the raps. Obviously, that can be 
faked pretty easily. If it's sure. just a tape, you could just knock on a table. Right. Um, there is again, there is in the in the video link I sent you for the for that Canadian news spot. It's a little confusing because they kind of intersperse what's clearly reenactment footage with also actual foot with real footage. I think that the team literally brought them into the studio or maybe came to them, set up lights and had them elicit this stuff. Got and it. you do see the table move like the table moves. I, uh, I'm scrubbing through this video now. I, it's um, in the very beginning, I think, is where the... Okay, I think I have it. Um, should we bring it up? Sure. Does this look right? I think you can... Yeah, that's definitely them. But if you go even to the very... Almost the very, very beginning. Yeah. So, so they're in the studio. An unusual experiment is about to be filmed in the studios of City TV in Toronto. So, this is really them? This isn't the uh, reenactment? I, I think this is really them. So, we're seeing a. Um, some people in a studio space. Psychologist Joel Whitten. And Dr. George Owen. So, this looks a little bit. Reenactment it does look reenacted. There is footage here that looks a little more 70s y. Yeah. You mind if I see what's up with that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Scroll scroll through. Dr. George Owen, director of the um, we've got the Toronto Society for Psychical Research. Let's see here. What what else we got? Um I wanna see a table move. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I know that's um, this looks like real footage. Um, we yeah, see a man cool. walking around the table. We see the people doing um, a seance of some kind, it appears. Yeah, they're, maybe, maybe. they're trying to summon Phil up here. Got it. Let me uh, bring the audio up and see what we get. Yeah. Philip, we're looking for you. Philip. Oh, this also maybe looks reenacting. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. It's hard to tell. It's hard to tell. Um... What they claimed in this segment... Oh, here we go. Here we definitely yeah. have real footage. Yeah, here we go. Uh, I'm going to bring up the audio. Philip's manifestations were far from... Uh, it's a bunch of people around. It's very still, 70s footage. Uh, sitting around a, what appears question. to be a card table, and the, the table is... Surprisingly enough, the answers always corresponded... They've all got their hands on it. Yeah, exactly. Um, As the seances progressed, Philip became more enterprising. It's after a few raps on the table, he would raise it off the ground and make it dance on two or three legs. And uh, exactly, I mean, exactly, that's kind of weird. It just sort of slide, slid, and rotated. It is. On several occasions, we had what are I, called. You know, lights. I'm gonna throw this out there. It's weird, and like my. Yeah. My initial gut response seeing this is like that doesn't look unfakeable. I agree. I in totally the 70s, agree. 70s though, and like they really do they move around the table. It's either I, in kind of a pretty impressive magic trick or exactly well, I think you could definitely if you coordinated and practiced that, you could probably learn to move a table like with your sure hands, without sure. it really seeming like you know maybe you keep your arms a certain way but but, but sort of they are meeting once a week <laughs> they're yeah they've had two years <laughs> to nail this thing um, um 
Very interesting. So it's no, it's not unfakeable. It does look, it's certainly strange. It's sir. It's that's weird. It, we're, we've got the footage back now. Um, and it's, yeah, it's pretty crazy. Like that, you you know, they could be rocking that, right? Um, what's interesting is you can kind of see at least a couple of people. They, their fingertips are on the yeah. table, um, and it's so it's. I don't see anyone. Not that I have the clearest view here, but I don't see anyone like moving their arms, moving like it, it seeming to intentionally move the table, right. Which once right. again, you know, give it a wobbly table. I was gonna say take one of the legs. You know, this down. is not exactly a sturdy oak table. This is a pretty flimsy card table. Right. Um but I mean that's the, weird. The table seems to kind of it just sort jump. of tips over. Yeah. It's weird. I'll say it's weird. Seemingly on its own. It's like you said, it's not unfakeable. It's not the type of thing I mean, that's Sarah Surstridge. It's, you know, yeah, I, I think there's a reason this isn't a barn burn, you know, barn burner evidence that this thing happened, you know. Right. Um, there's a reason why I haven't heard of this. Exactly. Um, but it's definitely weird and interesting. It's definitely strange. I mean, so the, you know, obviously the, the full skeptic um, or just rationalist explanation here is they're faking it, whether or not they intend are consciously faking it in the same right. way that people can sort of fake the planchette in the Ouija board. There is just this, you kind of make it happen. Communally sort of, leaning in. Yeah, exactly. Oh, you're, you sort of feel the table rocking. They feel it. Cause think about a table rocking too. If it pushes towards you, you feel emotion that you didn't create. So the table's coming towards you and then you lean back into it Very and then true. you can quickly create a momentum there that can sort of do. Absolutely wild thing. So it's not unfakeable. The the believer version of this to me is that no, there's some sort of entity or the collective psychic force of the telekinetic force of this group is moving the table. That something is causing the table to move. It's not just a pure material mechanical right explanation. It's interesting. It's fucking interesting. Is the, what it is. <laughs> it is too. Yeah, even even if nothing happened, just this as a social experiment. Yeah, is kind of fascinating. It's. Um, I don't get. The, I don't get the vibe that this was some fucking hoax. You know. Um, no, I don't. Th- I, I I think they had their intentions were pure. So right. To speak. Right. Um, um, and and I think they would if. What I think is interesting about it is just based on what little I have learned tonight is I think they would also agree that if it is just a communal phenomenon, that is also interesting. Exactly. And I think they were I think they were open to that. And we can yeah. get into that. But the thing is, so it's weird, but it gets kind of weirder. It um, gets weirder? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh boy. I'm I'm seatbelt in. Kerchink, let's go. Seatbelt in, baby. I'm back in the Uber, baby. So at a certain point, one of the members, Sid, jokingly tells Philip that if he didn't answer, they're trying to summon him. And, the, and this guy goes, if he didn't answer, the group might send him away. At that point. That's a bad idea. Yeah, you don't do that. And so what happened is the phenomena just stopped. They couldn't make it happen. And so they had to work all through that session and the next one to bring it back. Whatever like it just, was. Whatever just took their fucking ball and went home? 
Yeah, I'm out. Oh, cool. Oh, you want to? Oh, you don't want to do this anymore? I'm out. And they just couldn't. And it just broke the it broke the spell for one session until they got back into the groove. It reminds me of a story that I heard on Radio Lab of a young hypnotist, a doctor who was a hypnotist. I don't remember when this was, maybe early 1900s in Britain, who could cure crazy stuff with hypnosis. Like a kid came to him who was covered in warts or whatever. And these are documented cases. And he hypnotized the kid, told him the warts were going to go away, warts go away, whatever. Things like that. And it goes to the physician's college or the main body of review. And they're all, they laugh them out. And they're like, this is impossible. This You're some kind of fraud. You're some kind of kook. And after that, he could never replicate the results. Man. Because it just shattered his. Yeah belief in it. anyway so so there's sort of an element of that happening here um so the other thing that starts to happen is that individual members they take a break during the summer of 1974 and stop meeting and during this break a bunch of members independently start reporting poltergeist activity in their homes so stuff Sorry. just opening and closing what? stuff flying around um, so whatever weird energy or whatever the phenomenon is that they're working with inside the context of the, the experiment, sort of when they're not doing it together, it just sort of follows them home. It feels like that's so fucking weird, dude. Very strange. Um, and one other, you know, one final sort of psychological effect. Uh, and this is, this is sort of nice is that according to Owen, the, the experiment seems to have just a, a therapeutic effect on everybody involved. They report that the group became like family, very close knit and happy. Um, and everybody, everybody reports sort of like increased social growth, reduction in shyness, personal problems. They just sort of over people feel like they're growing and developing and overcoming limitations and things in their personal life. That makes sense to me. And like yeah. a weekly available social group. <laughs> Yeah, I guess that's right, right? It's just the power in a way of just community and belonging. And D&D is great. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, D&D is dope. It's true. It, that's actually, that's a, that's a very good, that's a very good point. Um, <laughs> so, so this actually, so, so Dr. Owen was so affected by this that he runs this experiment a couple more times. And comes up with new characters and tries it with new groups, and and gets similar results. Shut up! But repeatable. Shut up! In these new experiments, the first one took two years. In these new experiments, it starts to happen much more quickly, like really? within three weeks, as if the participants are either developing this capacity, or just something is smoother in the process. Wow. Yeah, really, really wild. I mean, maybe this will be the next, you know, tabletop role-playing games have swept <laughs> swept pop culture. Maybe this will be the next thing that everybody is trying and doing. Children are manifesting people. Exactly. Well, <laughs> do, there's so in the in the research for this episode, I came across an amazing subculture, uh, tulpamancers. Which, okay. Of course, we can get into the concept of tulpas. I know we're running a little bit long, but no, I got nowhere to be. Me neither, man. <laughs> uh, so, so we'll, we can get into the concept of tulpas and egr- egregores, which we've talked about in the past a little bit. I vaguely remember both names. Yeah. Oh, yes, 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 yes. Um, 
but we'll so, do chaos magic too at some point. I can't wait. I can't wait. Uh, it, so it, we'll we'll get there. We'll get there. But but basically, there this is kind of happening. Actually, on a on a there's a whole subreddit and everything. Okay. So there is a through line to today, which is which is sort of interesting. Um, but yeah, so so he runs. He basically runs these games. This experiment again a couple of different times creates a couple of new characters, Lilith, a world war two era, French Canadian spy, Sebastian, a a medieval alchemist. And even he switches it up. He creates a guy named Axel who's supposed to exist in the future. That's it. You know, never going present, huh? No, never going present, which is interesting. And that's a good point. Like if you go future, how does that, are you summoning the spirit of, like is the spirit time traveling essentially, or how does that even? It's, but you know, it, I mean, you're asking the same thing essentially. Of, it's so no one, no one in this experiment was alive when, uh, uh, the, when they placed Philip. Right, Philip was like sort of medieval-ish. Exactly, that's right. So even that in our own in its own weird way is its own collective imagination of what that time was based on what 100%. we know, you know? so like is that trained historians and even if they were there's only so much we know about that time anyway right so like is that ultimately that different than conjuring up a future and that's what i really that's what i really like about this experiment and the mindset here is that they're playing exactly with that idea that kind of like you're actually creating reality through mm. collective imagination. Yeah. We all are all the time. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And so to, to your point, it kind of, is there really a difference between an imagined historical past and an imagined future that yeah. hasn't happened with okay. the people you're making up? A great question. Yeah. Yeah. Very interesting. Um, yeah, and so there's a couple of other groups. There's there's a couple of other copycat copycat. I don't mean in a derogatory sense, but there's a couple of other sure. groups that that try to replicate this outside of Doctor Owen. At this point, you know they get they get some media attention. Uh, the Canadian Broadcasting Company filmed an hour long documentary called Philip the Imaginary Ghost, which is on DVD, um, which would be amazing to get our hands on. We and then the, that. The, yeah. Um, and then the Toronto, there's that city TV broadcast, which we just saw clips of on uh, on YouTube. So let me, I'll actually, so the group themselves had a hypothesis here going into this experiment. So they, their hypothesis was this. Psychic phenomenon could be intentionally produced by a group, even without a traditionally quote unquote gifted psychic participant. The group did did not go so far as to claim that all apparitions originate subconsciously in the minds of living people and have no independent reality. Instead, they saw their experiences in the context of psychokinetic or poltergeist phenomena. Interesting. So there's something there's something in magic. There was a great um, there was a great schism in the practice of magic introduced in large part by Aleister Crowley which is called the psych- the psychological versus the spirit model of magic. Mm. And the psychological model of magic says basically any effects that you seem to achieve through magical ritual or whatever 
are actually due to manipulations of your own psychology that are affecting the world at large or your perception of the world. Which sounds like it aligns with chaos magic. In what exactly, we very very similar to chaos magic. The the traditional view of magic and the original sort of quasi religious view is that oh no no, there's actual entities external to you that you're interacting with who are doing things in the world. And that's what you meant by like independent reality earlier. Exactly. That's right. That's right. And so they're so what they're they're saying here is they're not going so far as to claim that all apparitions originate subconsciously in the minds of living people and have no independent reality. I.e. they're not saying it's all they're not fully buying into the psychological model opposed to the spirit model. Got it. Um but they are saying what they're doing is some kind of weird, I guess, middle ground where their That's, minds are sort of are really manipulating reality and they're maybe causing some kind of poltergeist activity. It's so funny to me because that that element of it makes so much more sense to me. And like I kind of I think I, I land more on that kind of line of it mm-hmm. that I think we manifest we can manifest things in our own reality kind of way. For sure. Um, and it's interesting sure. they didn't lean in on that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, they kind of stuck to, they sort of are defending the, the spirit model a little bit. Yeah. Um, so oh, Dr. Owen hypothesizes that the energy arises from the combined focus of the group members on one object. And he noted that when members were sick or absent, the phenomena would manifest more weakly. Um, and the group consciously, this is interesting, the group consciously viewed Philip as a composite of their own personalities. I mean, sure. You know, it makes, it all makes sense. Like it's all sort of logical in a weird way. They, they, they think of him as a separate entity, but they also view him as like, yeah, he's kind of a mix. Like we all sort of co-created this thing. I mean, like a D and D campaign, like, dude, like a D and D campaign. (laughs) It takes on a reality of its own. Yeah. Um, so, Here's the here's the possibilities, kind of as as I see them. That uh, so just to get it, you know, just to to put it on the board, this could have been a fraud or a hoax, in, like an intentional fraud or hoax. You know, any of these could have been, yeah, exactly. Any, no, I think anything we talk about on the show that's on the table, a hundred percent. Yeah, we just want to acknowledge that um, they didn't make a lot of money from this. There wasn't too. Yeah, they got on a news channel and someone made a documentary about them, <laughs> but none of them became rich or famous, and there doesn't appear to be any effort to you know there's no philip land amusement park or anything like they weren't charging yet. admission yeah, with yeah. That attitude. It didn't work. They took brian and years. eric weren't on the scene yet <laughs> that's right that's right um like, so well what are we doing with philip here uh yeah <laughs> that ip just seems to be languishing yeah. oh just nothing just weekly seances come on <laughs> uh, um, so there's so there's that there's what we were talking about of just you know it could be coincidence which is which to me is a little bit unlikely just because you know the, the table's really rocking around it's like i'm hopping around on one leg i mean right. they're either doing that unintentionally or doing it faking it intentionally or something else is happening but it's not like oh you just got a leaky pipe and you think it's a ghost like this right. is a little more hardcore than that right um and then so we get into sort of maybe the unconscious bias and just buying into this thing like the Ouija board phenomenon. Um, But there's some interesting paranormal explanations here. So 
So the first one is exactly what you called out, Brian, that they ended, they basically inadvertently summoned another spirit or group of spirits via their seances and other activities. And then they just kept interact. Like there's right. no, if, if spirits exist, if entities exist and you can call them up, there's no guarantee that this thing they called Philip was actually Philip or one right. other spirit. Like maybe it was a bunch of stuff. Right. Right. You know? Right. Um, yeah. So who knows? Uh, the second one is this idea that maybe the, co- the and this is sort of what they were trying to do, that their collective thought or belief actually manifested this entity from whole cloth. Um, there is something, there is a concept in Tibetan Buddhism called a tulpa. This is an actual religious practice. Um, actually, I shouldn't, I, I shouldn't say that because it's a little bit, I'm not exactly I'm not exactly sure how this fits into the context of Tibetan Buddhism, but there is this idea that magicians um, or lamas or people with spiritual power can manifest basically thought forms through concentrated effort or willpower that you can create an independent entity with your brain that can go out into the world and do stuff. Interesting. Once again, chaos magic got into that a little bit. Exactly, hundred percent. And so the the chaos magic version of that is this concept called egregores, which is that if enough people hold a common belief about something, it takes on a life and a power of its own, and that can be interesting. Even quote unquote mundane examples like corporate branding or Batman <laughs> or things right. like right. that in our yeah. world that have a lot of power. Yeah. Um, our chaos magic is good, guys. I recommend it. That is really one of like the. That's a great. <laughs> I think that's a keystone episode. I think in the Brian and Eric unified paranormal theory. <laughs> yeah, I think so for sure. I think so I'm gonna get sure. that one up on YouTube. All of our. I'm slowly uh, uploading all of our old episodes onto YouTube. So hey, check out our YouTube. That's where those will be. That's um, amazing. We should do some experiments from that. I would love to do some experiments with that, my dude. I think we really should. Yeah. Um, and then the and then the last one. I'll just get into this before we wrap this up is that there's some kind of timeline manipulation happening here that, and this is super out there, but that they basically retroactively create a person. who They were able to manifest. He just didn't appear on the aluminum foil. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. Because there's no, we, we don't know that there isn't a Philip Aylesford. Right. In the past. And so you get into this interesting game of like, is there a world where the collective belief creates this person retroactively in the timeline? Or is there a world where they think they're making this up, but they are actually there. There is, it's actually a revelation of a real person who existed. I I had, I kind of had that question as well. Wow. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Man, that's fucking nuts, dude. That's fucking nuts. Nuts, dude. Very strange. And so that's the story of the Philip experiment. Dude, that was phenomenal. Thank you for researching that. That was incredible. It sucked. I, I got completely sucked in. Thanks to Tess for, for turning us onto this topic. This is really, really wild. Really fucking wild. Yeah. Yeah. Um, anything else about the Philip experiment? <sighs> I think that's it. I don't know. I guess we have to talk off a of shit. If I give us, I think we're going to try to run the Philip experiment for like three weeks and give up. 
I we gotta right we gotta we'll, you know? we'll, we'll talk we'll talk about what the new segment is gonna be oh yeah <laughs> but we have to manifest uh what we have to manifest is a third host uh whose name is Brerick uh and they have a billion Twitter followers who will turn our show into a giant and they're success. so handsome and we hate it but also they've taught us how to be handsomer that's true yeah it's a good yeah it's kind of like yeah 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 it's a thanks Brerick. i love that <laughs> thanks Brerick. subject subject to change <laughs> but we're gonna eric that's the move we manifest a third host of this show that's right and they do all the heavy lifting we kick back and we're just hanging baby and we just make the ha-has that's right we make the ha-has in the background they do all the research no big deal they write the blog posts that's right that's that right. Every, that every week I'm like, why the fuck do we make a block? Yeah, why do we have a stupid block? <laughs> What's I do with this? What do we have what do we even have a block? I can't even read. <laughs> but Brerick can. Brerick reads so fast. So many his WPMs are through the roof. <laughs> Eric, do you want to get us out of here or should I? Yeah, I can take us out of here. Okay. Cool. All right, gang. So, so that's going to wrap up this broadcast for the night. Uh, we obviously want to thank Purple Planet and Carl Casey at White Bat Audio for the use of their music. Uh, if you want to get in touch with us, follow us on Twitter. That's at Brian and Eric Pod, or find everything else at BrianandEric.show. For both of us here, Brian and Eric don't belong here. Thank you for listening. Stay safe out there.